You're listening to Cinema Snarks. I'm Larry. And I'm Ren. And we are going to tell you how we really feel. And today we are telling you how we really feel about Malignant and James Wan's directorial filmography. So Malignant is now available on both HBO Max and in theaters as part of Warner Brothers' release strategy of 2021. And it is the latest horror film from Mr. Wan himself after not really giving us horror in a minute, even though that is certainly what he has long been known for. But it follows a woman who soon finds herself having visions of a man or entity named Gabriel as he takes out grisly murders on people from her own past. So, Ren, you are yeah. not quite a, a horror person. You're not adverse to horror, but it's yeah. certainly not been your genre, yes? I'm, yes, <laughs> especially not compared to the people that are like, horror is their genre. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I horror. have been... <laughs> Picking up the the pace, you know, right in Halloween shows, you need to kind of get a grip on what people like to see in their horror. But I'm see, I'm more Halloweeny than I am horror, right? Like I want like spooky, scary, horrifying, but also kind of fun. Like that's I need that little touch of fun. Although I will say that this movie does have that touch of fun in it. I think it sure does. Um, <laughs> It's goofy, man. Uh, it wasn't like terribly goofy. I don't know. It it was interesting. It was like um, it was like they wanted to be a B horror movie, but not actually be a B horror movie. I don't know. It's not in this weird spot where it was like campy almost without yeah. being like full on campy. Um. So how'd you feel about it? You're given like this vague feel that you had. Oh, um, I like, dislike, where, where'd you fall? It's a weird question. Um, (laughs) I, I, I think I'm in the middle to be honest. I wasn't like, wow, it was a great horror movie, but I also didn't like hate the experience of, you know, it was like, fine. It was fun. It was like, it wasn't like, you know, like troll two is like amazing, bad horror and malignant is, like you know it's like a good movie it's not like a terrible movie and like the terribleness of the movie is what makes the movie good to watch this is like also a good scary movie there was i think that was what it was is like it's like a little bit campy but then the like the gore is like terrifying and that the the gabriel is a horrifying creature that thing is very very creepy i think the um the weird backwards walking thing it it, it's it takes that like asian trope of the like girl walking down the stairs backwards that sort of like asian horror style thing and puts them upright and fighting and like terrifyingly lethal um so that was an interesting take although um i don't know i everyone said there was a twist at the end i saw coming a mile away um so i saw part of the twist coming i didn't I didn't catch, I wasn't anticipating how far that twist would go in the weird direction it went. Um, I, I guess I was expecting more 
psychological type of rather than a physical manifestation of this twist um with a physical transformation and all you're right i, I don't ready. think i was necessarily expecting the full-on physical aspect of it <laughs> like, oh, you are damn. correct i <laughs> there's a jail cell scene in this film that had me shook that i loved <laughs> I loved every second of that damn jail cell uh, and the action-y horror that takes place in there. You know what I appreciate? A bunch of women getting murdered by another woman. <laughs> I don't think you see that enough. No. Nope. Just these, all these, you know, they're just like, it's the other thing. There's just like random women, right? Like there were these two like asshole women. But then, like, all the rest are just, like, these women who got stuck in this jail cell. Listen, what I love <laughs> is that one of the asshole women was, like, sacrificing the others and just, like, grabbing them and yeah, throwing, throwing them into the back. middle. <laughs> You're right. That was pretty good. I lived. I loved it. <laughs> um, but, yeah. So, the trailers were highly misleading when it comes to Malignant. And I think, I think that does a service in getting people in the door. But mm -hmm. I also think it's making people hate the film that they got. They expect something else. Yeah, you got to mitigate expectations. Man. They were expecting because the trailers make it seem like a possession type of movie. Like, yeah. I don't know. And even the beginning of this film kind of has a possession-y feel to it. And huh. it just goes off the rails into a different direction later. <laughs> yeah, it was very spooky at the beginning. It was much more like tense, like jump scares at the very, very beginning. And that tone really shifted like immediately. It was like they just <laughs> dropped off. And what, so I've only really seen um, a couple of his films, but it like reminded me of, um, it, it wasn't like The Conjuring, which The Conjuring was like all about that like tension building and that yes. moodiness and that spookiness, which I thought The Conjuring was like, it's not the scariest film I've ever seen, but like but, modern wise, it was like genuinely like yeah. tense and like ugh, stressful to watch. Yeah. Um, this movie. We'll talk a lot about The Conjuring because I love The Conjuring. So we'll yeah. talk a lot about that when we get to his right. filmography. But... This movie was not stressful to watch. This movie was. That, that's why, like, I it is. It's in a weird horror place, to be honest. It's like, it's it's more like gore action. I mean, it feels appropriate for him. Oh, I've seen Saw too. I've seen all of his first movies. I just and I will say, Saw. Once again, we'll talk about obviously this film definitely had remnants of his past films. So especially the detective stuff, the yeah. aesthetic, and even the dialogue and how it was edited gave me Saw vibes. Like. Yeah, now that I'm remembering Saw, I, I remember watching Saw and being like, this is horrible. <laughs> like, <laughs> the acting of that movie is just dreadful. They're like writing and everything is okay, not Alice. good. Okay, oh, um, Yeah. Stop my heart. I love Carrie Ellis. <laughs> But my goodness, is he terrible in Saw. <laughs> and then I would say, I would even argue. Go ahead, oh, yeah. No, I would argue that Damien himself gives me, like, the third act of this film kind of gives me uh, Insidious third act vibes. Got because it. Insidious is, is kind of Conjuring-esque. It's, it's rooted more in, like, a 
typical, more tense horror film. And then that third act of Insidious kicks in and it gets a little wild. It gets a little bit more fun in its horror. And this film very much does that. It gets like, goes ham in its third act. Yeah. And then I made a joke about it in the reaction I recorded. (laughs) There for a minute with her working with the police did remind me a little bit of um, Lorraine Warren, who is like, of course, a psychic extraordinaire woman in the Conjuring films these days. Right, right, right. They've leaned much more into that in this last one, which James Wan did not direct. So see, as uh, like a like a nerd person, the Warrens are part of the reason I like didn't really get de- dig too deep in the con the rest of the Conjuring. James Wan, James Wan is the best thing that ever happened to yes, those yes. couple of con. I was gonna artists. say they are straight up con artists, and the films. <laughs> make them look much better than they ever did as actual humans not just <laughs> physically as people um so but anyways uh, yes okay. so this film i felt like we got little pieces of saw insidious a tiny bit of the contract yes. like they all kind yeah. of merged into this. even aquaman in some of the goofiness um like yes <laughs> you could feel like this is the director like, that did yes. aquaman it does feel like he had a lot of fun making this film and that kind of shows through and I think that's what makes it enjoyable is that you can tell that like he just enjoyed making it like it wasn't he wasn't trying to do something he wasn't trying to scare us he was just like I'm gonna make this film I got this crazy idea and I'm gonna do it and it's gonna be great look I got action and it's kind of silly a little bit over here I think maybe we should dig into them because I'm not well versed enough in the style of like Guy Lowe horror films which is like the italian uh subgenre of horror i have a little bit of that so i was gonna say like i i know a little bit about it but i'm not like the most versed and you love your italian everything so (laughs) it seems like something fun to delve into but there the influence is definitely here so the only thing that like i don't know it, it certainly has that kind of camp factor that yeah. the Jallo yeah. has um with that like so like Suspiria is the like the ultimate yes. sort of example right yeah. and that one is all about like color that was one of my favorite things about Suspiria is it's one of the like you know Malignant is a dark colored film so you don't get that like yeah, no, bright no, crazy color aspect of it and honestly Suspiria is a lot more focused on just being like weird and uncomfortable where this one just where malignant just goes straight into like silliness almost um i don't know if so, so the thing with suspiria is i think it like it's a little bit goofy by accident it's like yes. so the the key thing with suspiria the original one is that like the girls in that movie are supposed to be like teenage girls they're not supposed to be like 20 somethings so all the lines coming that should be like teenage girls like young girls like you know 13 to like 15 sound very strange coming from adult women um and that just kind of like throws that's part of what makes the whole thing yeah. feel very strange and, and i think maybe the people who are big fans of suspiria i think i think they miss that in the remake honestly because mm-hmm. i think the remake luca guadagnino takes most of the the camp out of it i mean it's still slightly there in some of the delivery but he went for much more of a body horror like whoa uh <laughs> freak you out this is weird and hard to look at uh type of oh. stuff in the remake oh like. that's what's fun about Suspiria. i didn't watch the remake but that was what's fun about this Suspiria is that like the blood is not real blood it's this bright technicolor 
goop that comes out yeah. of bodies. Um, yes. And also oh. Suspiria seem to ha- seems to have a lot more in the line of um, like, it, it is really much more in the like tone and like mm-hmm. almost a slow burn. It's one of the original like slow yeah, burn slow kind burn. of vibes it, where it's like, what is happening? I don't know. The colors are pretty and the music is fun, but whereas Malignant is like, has that camp factor without the slow burnness, but I'm okay with that. (laughs) I will uh, say I very much appreciated. We got the camp right away. Like I knew, I at least knew what I was in for when that doctor is like, you've been bad, (laughs) very, very bad. As soon as the first thing I was like, (laughs) Wait, because I was like, like, I like was I like it turned it on because it was like a preview or something. And so I was like watering my plants and I like came back and I was like, is this a preview or is this the movie? Oh, this is weird. Okay, well, this is weird. (laughs) So we're getting people's like hands broken and then we're getting this woman delivering these outrageous lines. It's time to cut out the cancer. Like and the way she delivered it. I mean, I lived lived for her delivery. They all, they all seem to know what movie they're into. Like, I feel like a lot of times, right? The Room is a great example, right? If we're going to talk about, like, bad movie. Like, some of them seem to know that they're in a bad movie and some of them don't. <laughs> um, and every once in a while, oh, like with Cats, that's another great example of a terrible film where, like, some people seem to understand what's happening and others are completely unaware of the train yeah. wreck they are a part of. Um, but everybody in this cast seemed to be very clear on the type very of movie clear. they were making. There was Even not the yells, a, everything. Yes. Like They're Annabelle Wallace, uh, who's our lead. or anything. Yeah. Yeah. She like the way she screamed into the camera. <laughs> she was good. I know. I love her every her. Gabriel, no! Every single like, it always came out of nowhere. <laughs> that detective so woman. Uh, too. Oh my god, what she, she knew cartoon character she knew what she was there for and she delivered it she knew what the job was and she's like okay i'm gonna give it to you then i love the girl the sister in her princess costume that's like the (laughs) ham-fisted like this is our innocent here (laughs) yeah it i you know i have to appreciate it having done a show that was intended to kind of like take on all of the horror tropes i went i leaned really far into like the goofy aspects of it i feel like this did a really good job of like leaning into not necessarily the tropes but kind of just like leaning into more contemporary horror tropes i guess like and just kind of um it was like a like a, a wash of camp instead of it being full-on parody it's a camp wash yeah in blood like you said it's still delivering on like the gore is there for real like it's not (laughs) it's Mm -hmm. not Suspiria like campy gore no 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 I mean it's gross uh when they get nasty they get nasty yes lots of blood splattering everywhere but the line delivery the script itself the actors even the camera work again her screaming into the camera and then the camera doing like that dramatic zoom (laughs) into people's faces and stuff he knew what he was wanting to make and I think the more I think about it because at first I was sitting in a kind of like hmm Okay, but the more I think about it, the more I think I'm I'm leaning toward really liking it. I, think, I love how over the top and ridiculous so much is. Yeah, I think I appreciate. You know, I, you, now that we talk about it more, yeah. I really appreciate uh, the vision behind it. That it it's so consistent in its tone mm-hmm. and consistent in like what he's trying to do. It's not it's not campy and cheesy because the director doesn't know what they're doing yeah. and has no sense of like 
what is scary and what is not this director like you can tell he knows what he's doing in every single little bit he like was like nah i want to make it a little bit goofy i want to make it silly and we're going to keep all this like sick action and the blood and stuff but yeah we're no it's going to be a little goofy and And you can see like every now and then like there's this tracking shot that he does from above that was like Mm -hmm. amazing so she's like running through her house and we're just like following her from like this aerial view through her house as she goes from root and i just i loved it or like weird kind of really cool shots of like the videotape i in my reaction i was like oh the children don't even know what this device is Larry, I didn't even think about that. That like a VHS tape is such a very (laughs) antique technology to throw up there. But it's also so good and spooky too, right? Because it's always got that like, it's got the lines and that graininess. And oh yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Oh my God. So uh, good. Yeah, and so definitely the the scene at the the police department was my favorite, like my absolute favorite <laughs> moment of the film. One when they're in there, and then two when the film pretty much just straight up goes action, like when yes, when Gabriel's fighting the police officer, Matrix style horror monster. It was legit Matrix. Like, <laughs> see, and this is why I'm like, he has to know because when Gabriel does like this jump. He then suddenly, for the first time in the entire film, goes into slow-mo as we see Gabriel <laughs> in this trench coat flying through the air. Like, so... This is like, okay, yeah, backwards yeah. trench coat. It's like... <laughs> oh, my gosh. And that scene, I just... Yeah. Uh, I loved it. The end... And then I do think there's something a little bit interesting about what happens at the end and and a kind of an allegory that I think can be made to some sort of mental illness type of thing of mm-hmm. of overcoming that and like, you know, uh, the whole thing there. But for the most part, it's just having fun. And James Wan, I think, is just having fun. Coming off of Aquaman, which, you know, made a billion dollars for DC, this huge comic book hit for him to turn around and make like this crazy campy ridiculous horror movie <laughs> you gotta love that to a certain extent that he's like yes. you know what my next film is just gonna be batshit crazy yeah that's, that's what we're going Go for, for him good for him <laughs> i'm proud of him i'm glad like i said it's it's very clear that he had fun he knew what he was doing the whole time and like i think it it is that it is a very nuanced tone that he decided on and then carried clearly throughout the whole film, which is actually kind of impressive in and of itself because it, you know, it's really easy to lean really far into camp or really far into serious drama, especially in horror. And he really found this interesting balance that I don't, I don't know. I can't think of really any horror films that sit in quite the same space as that. Um, really unique viewing experience like any which way you look it's a very unique watch (laughs) (laughs) we're just talking about like the okay i will say the um okay the makeup was also very cool like all the all the like special effects stuff yeah that malignant face is terrifying it's so gross and scary and like what the hell um but like when he's fighting and then it's the other head on the back that's so well done it was like but you know that's like i'm just imagining it like i as in i hollered uh not like screamed out of fear i hollered when we see that face on the back again turns around See her face loved it. I thought it was underneath the, the little like jacket uh top, the collar, and it's just her eyes. And it's like it's clearly a fake face, which yes, I, yes. I appreciate. 
<laughs> it's gonna add to the like spookiness. It makes her very like it, it like gives it this sort of like oh she's just become this like weird plastic doll attachment. <laughs> oh my god! And the reverse thing is so it was so weird and inconsistent. Once they like revealed yeah. what the deal was, the backwards thing yeah. was like oh okay snaps the bones in one direction and then I know, she can just like, unsnap them in the right direction yeah, i mean yes there sure. are some, some aspects where you have to just throw it out there's a zero logic here it's um, fine if we are accepting the existence of gabriel <laughs> period <laughs> yes the bone thing is like girl i know you got to be sore when you wake up in the morning what we performed girl? surgery and then we just pushed the rest inside of the skull <laughs> sure um okay yeah and then like the phone call i didn't understand in the in the like investigation room when they're like interrogating her uh gave oh. her calls oh, oh. like Yes, Gabriel has some like electrical control thing. That, that's not explained. That we don't know. No. Uh, it's just there. They at least sow that seed at the very first. Scene, electrical, but... um, electrical is the same thing as radio waves. That's why he can travel through the radio because the radio waves are electric no, no, are electricity. No. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's fine. Whatever. Again, cool. we're just accepting the conceit of like this thing is attached and <laughs> is real. Whatever. I don't need like a bunch yeah. of explanation of the rest of it, I guess. It's a fantasy yeah. world. It's fine. Yes. <laughs> um, so again, I'm not surprised the general audiences at large are not responding as favorably. Uh, so far, critically, like yeah, yeah, critics, it's doing well. And some audiences, audiences who are down with the madness are loving it. Yeah. I but, think I saw a friend of mine say this is like it is engineered to be a cult classic. And I think that is a pretty accurate assessment yeah. that it right? because that's the thing is that it's the sort of thing you watch and you're like, OK, there's a <laughs> bunch of like eyebrow raises. And then you can talk to your friend about it afterwards and be like, remember that part? Oh gosh, this is the thing. Is the, right. This conversation is exactly what <laughs> leads to something becoming a cult classic, because then you're like, no, no, no. Dude, we gotta watch *Malignant*. Yeah. Let me just show you this film. Honestly, the the movie I wish had maybe caught on more because I learned to love it after seeing it. Because at first I was like, "What the hell?" Is in *Fabric*. Um, oh, that was because it's, uh, that has a similar vibe. To it has one. a similar vibe to *Malignant*. So if you liked *Malignant*, please go find *In Fabric* to watch because once again, in that third. <laughs> madness it just goes wild but it is so if good you liked malignant and suspiria yes you will love right in the middle i think it probably leans a little more suspiria yeah, yeah. but it, it's I a think... slow burn like in fabric is a slow burn yes. but, but it like, gives you these campy ridiculous yes. moments throughout mm -hmm. that you just have to stand like there's no choice uh particularly that woman who works at the fabric the designer store the hair is amazing, amazing and yes. she and should be a cultural icon at this point but, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. but yeah i feel like that that's just one that was it didn't have the big director behind it so it didn't have the big release so it not enough easy. people saw it um and it never caught whereas this it had the HBO Max release. Like it has a wide enough release that enough people are going to see it that love it and are yep. going to be like, holy shit, this is also, that shit crazy and I love it. I have to say, I'm a big fan of this HBO direct to streaming <laughs> thing. 
I like having the option of going to see things in a movie theater, but I'm not going to lie. I really like being able to sit down and watch a movie like whenever I feel like it. Um, it's not even about a movie ticket thing. It's literally, I just like, I have a lot of shit to do. And if I have to, if I have to wait for a tow truck at 11 o'clock at night, I can sit and be like, I guess I'll watch this movie now while I'm waiting here. And then I can just do it then. Um, I'm a big fan of it and I hope they continue to do it. I can't quite understand the uh, business economics of it uh, realistically. I don't quite understand how they can afford to make films that go straight expensive. to their yeah. straight to the service. Because HBO the Max has yeah. not seen the bump. Like they're nowhere near Disney or the big Netflix, obviously. They're nowhere near them still. Yeah. And part it, of that, sidestep, part of that is because their rollout was absolutely dreadful. HBO Max's rollout was terrible. It took a months and months and months to be able to get onto Roku and stuff. So people were like, what the hell? They didn't sync it. So there was still HBO Max, HBO Go, HBO oh, Now. Oh, yeah, that was weird. So they didn't sync them together. So there was just one account. I mean, the, <laughs> and then the way that they didn't have anything new when they first opened like at least disney yeah they're they're a nostalgia property but they had like the mandalorian ready to go when they launched hbo max had nothing hbo max had nothing to offer the kids when they signed up just the old stuff so you're like oh okay no new series finally they're getting there and they made this big move obviously in 2021 to be like hey here's why you should sign up for our service because you'll get to watch movies in theaters right now at your house if you want to <laughs> and that's kind of been their big selling point honestly <laughs> over I'm the past year it, yeah i i wonder how much of it is just because of the pandemic and how much of it was like a how much of it was like anticipated and how much of it is like they looked at the pandemic and saw what happened there and they were like let's just roll with this and then they've developed I'm pretty sure it's mostly that. pandemic because i think they're planning to go back to theater only in 2022 so Bummer. there's that but give me more give me the option <laughs> I think it's totally reasonable because they take it off. They give you like a month to watch mm -hmm. it. And then they're like, okay, now you're done. Go see what I've noticed, because obviously I follow the box office quite heavily all the time. Uh, what I've noticed is it doesn't hurt opening weekends for established properties. So stuff like... Um, Godzilla vs. Kong, stuff like Mortal Kombat, all of those did really well their opening weekend still they open big but then they have a hard fall and yeah. i think that's because it, it starts to become the at home thing but even disney has seen a hard fall but that's also been with their hmm. premium access thing so they also don't well and i'm not paying for that goddamn premium access we will rather go to the theater like i'll just no, go to the movie yeah. theater to watch I want those premium films. experience i'm gonna get the premium experience <laughs> yeah. or wait those are the two well, options yes. i'm not gonna um but uh, yeah uh i i don't know i i think I, my question about the the kong versus the mortal Kombat is it's also those are movies that are like better suited for a big screen so i wonder yeah. how much of it is that right like in the Heights is lovely, but it does. You don't need a giant screen to yeah. enjoy it. Same thing with *Malignant*. You don't need a giant screen to enjoy *Malignant*. You can enjoy it on your normal big screen at home. Um, so I wonder how much of it is that. I I hope that they continue. But uh, you're excited. I am seeing *Malignant* in the theater here soon with my grandma. Oh, so we're gonna go grandma, see. Grandma, grandma loves uh, the horror films. So uh, with these ones, like ugh, this upcoming weekend, I'll be watching *Cry Macho*. Um, but. I 
It's the new Clint Eastwood movie. It's also going to be on HBO Max. Um, so I'm re- I'm doing reactions to all of these HBO Max movies. So I'll be watching it. Um, but then, as since I have to be by myself to watch it, then I take my grandma and we go watch the movies at the theater if or here, like we did Reminiscence, which uh, <laughs> one I'm glad I got to watch at home. So there you go. But yeah. <laughs> So James Wan, he has kind of, he's up there certainly as one of the modern day, like, horror icons for people. First, obviously, his big one, Saw. So he created the short, and then they worked it into a full-fledged motion picture. Yeah. And Saw is responsible for pretty much an entire subgenre of horror in yeah. the quote-unquote torture porn. Was worked out of Saw. <laughs> Yeah, and you know what? I gotta give it up for him that he he only directed the first like what two? And only then one. Were, like, he produced, oh. but it is only the first one. Somebody gave us wrong information at our table. It's only the first oh. one. Well, great. And that so he only did the first one, and then he was like, "Nah, man, I'm not gonna like yeah, <laughs> drive go my property into the ground. I'm good. You have fun. Yeah, I'm sure. I like good for him. I'm sure he made money off of every single movie, but like. And of course, that is still going. We got a new based on Saw film this year for Spiral. Um, I think it's it's a good um, Saw is well, what really turned into Saw was a little bit like the original Saw was more psychological, whereas it seems like the sequels were more like murder Rube Goldberg machine. uh, It was what? They just tried to come up with the craziest contraptions for the saw yeah. jigsaw puzzles. It was, um, <laughs> it was Rube Goldberg murder. Yeah. And like, so the first one this thing I, falls and then this thing falls and then your yeah. head comes off. <laughs> I really appreciated saw just from like a like a, a ideology standpoint is it tried to at least give like this ideology behind vigilantism kind sure. of of this man is getting horrible people trapping them in a place and telling them you have to lose something so that you can understand the the importance of life grim you don't want that to happen to people uh but at least it had like a idea behind some sort of new kind of what good horror does best which is take like a a piece of human philosophy and just like explore the deepest darkest versions of it yeah um, yeah, I, yeah there's a reason that saw spun off a million sequels but and that gore there's lots of lots of gore always in all of the saw films uh yeah. <laughs> um yes uh, I, then, yeah. then we went he we went small still with dead silence with the creepy like puppet uh and then death sentence before he went with insidious his first time teaming up with patrick wilson which he loves patrick wilson they team up we quite all a bit love patrick wilson he yes. is a gem <laughs> so look you... up the star spangled banner <laughs> done sung by patrick wilson wait so you haven't seen insidious i have not seen insidious okay so in many ways it's similar to kind of the first conjuring setup if you will um it's supernatural and you go into in in this one though you kind of go into the other supernatural plane and it's a gift patrick wilson has had um and i think insidious is a lot of fun like i said it starts off pretty 
tense type of jump scare horror. And then that third act, we go into that realm. We get like the devil, this like really weird, absurd design for the devil, but it's like vibrant red face. Uh, so again, so like, really we're talking like it. Tim Curry and legend level devil <laughs> or no, it's more 2D. It's like a stylized ish type of, but it, it's a little bit I, ridiculous. Yeah, uh to the wow yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, a, it's like a ridiculous over-the-top design like darth maul what no, darth maul yeah it's like very ah. darth maul-esque um and the third act is, is like that um in general <laughs> we got lynn shay who is kind of a horror icon in general who's been the staple of the insidious films but he also did chapter two which was fun not as good and then he left that and it just fell off a cliff uh insidious just turned into a hot mess after he left but then of course we got the conjuring in 2013 the next one you saw after saw of yeah. his and I, ha I have to say i i am a sucker for a ghost story those are the ones that like scare me and uh that's a scary ghost story conjuring was well done just as yeah, go ahead. It's like a master class. So we mentioned it. Then that's what I think. Turning to the conjuring is like a pure master class in how to build horror tension. Like how to build atmosphere in the most effective ways for a horror. Not the film. rubber band. Pull it and then you just bam, just the you right play these games. So we have like the clapping game going on throughout this house, which is just like that's it right up. Have you like literally just so tensed up? So then you get that amazing scene where the mom has like her stupid little lighter and those hands like clap next to her. And you're like, oh my God. But it's just in this house, it builds up that tension so well. Of course, we have great, we talked about, they are much better than the Warrens deserve. Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga are amazing and they deliver these great performances <laughs> and give so much to them. Uh, I do also have a soft spot for Lily Taylor. Uh, apparently, The Haunting is a terrible movie. I had no idea. I had no idea either. When it originally came out. Um, Again, we've talked about her plenty. Uh, I was already blinded by Catherine Zeta-Jones in The right. in the Haunting. Right. And then, yeah, Lily Taylor, everything. I, I also, Liam Neeson's in it. Yeah, I loved The I feel like nobody else likes it, but I love it. Great, you and me, Larry. Yeah. We're like, I love, I like. The whole, I don't know why people don't like it. It's scary. It's tense. It's weird. It's, you know what it is, Larry? It's a little. It's campy. It, it knows campy. what it is. It knows what it is. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So the Conjuring. I think all of the films, uh, any sort of. It's a, again chasing the Exorcist, which has not not been able to really successfully be replicated it's, it's just it's this weird phenomenon that happened and it came out at the perfect time but finding a way to make the possession portion not like funny not yeah. ridiculous you know when you have these people like flying around and writhing After and decades of exorcist parodies <laughs> it's a little hard right it's You're hard with the puke and the head spinning and the and part of it is just how much of that is practical i think that's what they don't understand is so much of the exorcist is obviously practical they didn't have all these cgi to rely on so this vile mess that you're watching on screen is <laughs> like all right uh <laughs> and part of it is 
like the script, just what they have, I mean, and the performance of Linda Blair. Everything about The Exorcist was like a perfect storm. And then you get the horror of the set itself, the like cursed set of The Exorcist. It's perfect. Like everything about it just culminated to this perfect storm of a horror film. Horror films, yeah. Yeah. So, and this I think does a good enough job is yes, we get into the big exorcisty stuff and like the body horror stuff, but I think it keeps it in that sweet spot of like, oh, it's gross and you're still in it and you care about the characters. That's another thing is, is you have to care in an exorcism film about the people being terrorized by this entity. And I think they, they do a good job of having you like get involved in this family. Mm-hmm. But then he goes on to Insidious Chapter 2, as I mentioned before. And we also have The Conjuring 2 when you have not seen uh, that sequel, correct? Nope. It is arguably right on par with that first film. I think it is really good. It introduces us to the nun in one of the most horrifying sequences ever. Oh, so good. Um, check it out. <laughs> yeah, so definitely check that one out. Then we so have Furious 7. Just so everybody knows, I spend one day, I, I watch a horror movie per day in October, basically. Oh, so The Conjuring 2 is on the list this year, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Along with the entire Halloween franchise, but... Grim um, is like all about the conjuring right yeah, now. Yeah, he's excited. Would you like to? Great. <laughs> he's enthusiastic about Halloween, Oof. aren't we all? <laughs> but yes, between his two sequels of Insidious Chapter 2 and The Conjuring 2, James Wan like forays into big budget live action, just action with Furious 7. Uh, <laughs> A huge departure uh, up to his career. I mean, it's been all horror. And then he's like, you know what? Yes, I'll do Furious 7 with you, Universal. We'll just throw it out there right now. Ren has not seen even one Fast and Furious film. Because Ren. why? Uh, <laughs> apparently, there's lots of people that have good reasons why I should. I don't know if I think they're good reasons. Um, but... It's just so shocking. You didn't even watch the first one when it came out. I Well, as I explained, the first one came out and then I missed it. And then by then, like three more had come out. And I was like, oh, no, I'm not jumping on this hot mess train. <laughs> <laughs> but Furious 7 is great. It is a very fun. Once again, he does. I think maybe that's something we don't credit him enough for because it's not really present in the conjuring films and that's kind of become a staple of his furious seven as well is one of those films that really goes ham like this is one of those films that just cars literally jump from one building to the next like we have all of the craziness in furious seven and it's done well whereas eight and nine take that and don't know how to execute it well enough so it just turns stupid that's pretty cool if you think about it, that he seems to have a pretty broad understanding of yeah. like it there. I don't think I'm I'm a little bit I I'm a little bit skeptical of Chloe Zhao's um, Eternals film, oh, because as a director, the only thing I've experienced are these very slow, very meticulous, very kind of like deliberate films. And I don't know if that's going to translate to a Marvel film, to a superhero film. It absolutely could. She could absolutely be one of those directors that is like multi-talented and knows how to like pace things out, even if she goes from doing like very thoughtful, deep, introspective indie films straight into like do a big action blockbuster and of course she has to do an awesome job because otherwise 
we're all screwed by we i mean the women because yeah she's a woman of color so if she if she bombs this marvel movie she's in trouble (laughs) we won't be able to you know it doesn't matter you can't point to all of the successful ones or all of the men who bombed it won't matter but anyways it it does seem uh, in terms of james one he's got a pretty broad understanding of like action and horror and like those are two very different elements like knowing how to build tension and uh successfully execute like genuinely scary horror is super different from knowing how to just like entertain people with shit flying across the screen and of course with furious seven too he had like the extra pressure which we're now getting in marvel though their pressure is a little bit different uh but paul walker died while furious seven was still shooting uh so they (laughs) he had the task of wrapping up Paul Walker's character in some sort of way that like satisfied people who had watched it for seven movies at this point. And Good. that tribute at the end is gorgeous. It's amazing. I think they, he did a fantastic job um, of doing that as well. So Furious 7, I think also displays, and we'll talk about Aquaman here in a second, and Malignant and Insidious, as I mentioned before, he has that like camp to him he likes to insert it like i said we lost track of that because the conjuring and the conjuring 2 don't have much of that and that's kind of his his main thing but all of the rest of the stuff he does almost has like this edge of camp and then he just went full for it and like (laughs) but you have seen aquaman i have seen aquaman well i'm like talking about camp right like i feel like aquaman he did a much better job with the camp in malignant oh yeah weaving it into his story whereas Aquaman it just felt weird I think there's something it I don't know if it's necessarily all his fault it's just it felt very out of place also just in that DC universe um I don't think the script was very good um part of it you have to wonder with the superhero films like Aquaman how much did Warner Brothers mess with like did he I, you know watching malignant you think maybe he wanted to go full-on balls to the wall crazy and warner brothers was like mm, we need to pull this back and do this yeah aquaman also felt like disjointed in a way that made it makes it seem like chunks of script were mm-hmm. taken out um so i i don't necessarily think that that is anybody's fault i mean uh, you know, when I watched Aquaman, it was like I got like a list of like options. Of, this is what me and my husband do. I recommend it to everyone who has the problem of like, what do we watch tonight? There's two of us and we take turns. One person picks five movies and the other person picks from one picks one movie from those five. That is the best way to lay it out because you've decreased your choices of infinite streaming services down to five that one person is perfectly content watching and then one person has to make a final decision anyways i made the final decision to watch aquaman because i was like you know what i am happy to watch a sexy sexy man uh just move around on screen for uh, two hours um i'm down for it um (laughs) but yeah i think as a as a film it's yeah i don't know it's um it's dc uh they have it also doesn't quite fit into the DC world, right? It's not like dark and like, it's not trying to be dark and gritty the way that all the other ones are, um, except for especially, Wonder- And especially when, you know, of course Aquaman was introduced in Justice League um, before right. his film. So right, and he's a- like fun, which I think is a very good, as a, that's, um, oh my God, what's his name? Jason Momoa. Jason Momoa. Jason Momoa. 
I, he actually does very well as like fun and cute. I think he's a, I think he intrinsically as a human being seems to be very like fun and cute, right? He's like excited about all his fans. He's really down to like do those jokey like pictures with everyone. So I think that that definitely shone through in Aquaman. Um, yeah, my it main gripe was Aquaman, the nonsense. It just didn't it's like- just- the script was too much there's so it's such a bloated script full of so much we have these two villains who do not connect to each other at all randomly two pick one like we have patrick wilson again once again back in a james Bond film down under the sea as his like brother stepbrother trying to take over and then we have black manta um up on the top who's mad because his father died and hates aquaman and so every time he comes up to the surface he has to fight black manta and then he has to go down and deal with it it's it's too much and then we have all this politics and the mom nicole kidman leaves for most of the movie but she's still alive and randomly shows up Uh, yeah Yeah. it's a lot it's just a lot in that script if they had streamlined it i think aquaman could have been a really fun film but as it is it's just a lot (laughs) you kind of like need aquaman to be a fun film it's aquaman right like (laughs) the dorkiest of the superheroes I mean, you know, you've done quite a bit to cool up the factor by casting Jason Momoa as your Aquaman. He did half the work right there. Um, But I I don't know. It's it's it feels like a missed opportunity because I think I think if I think if DC was not in that mode of like we are making dark and gritty superhero films, which is something we talked about on our last podcast, we're doing very serious like. don't make a don't make a fucking aquaman movie because like i I think that could have been a really really fun entertaining like comic book movie if it had been approached from that if if you'd let james wan approach it from that angle i would love to see james wan direct like a he's allowed to do whatever campy silliness he wants make it a cartoon please make it a live action cartoon i'm down for it I mean, I guess maybe they will, since the first one was so successful. Uh, they let him make this. Uh, also, of course, the DC does not seem to be opposed to. We're sorry, we're sorry, we, well, we messed it up. We'll do it again. We're gonna do it again. We're just gonna do it again. Don't even worry about the last one. We're gonna kind of well, pretend it exists, but not really. <laughs> well, I mean, they did just let Patty Jenkins do whatever the house I don't whatever that script was in Wonder Woman 1984. So I mean, they're not opposed to. We need if to you, find a balance folks <laughs> um they're not opposed to being like you did that first movie for us that was successful and we loved it so the second movie will just not even check in on you and see what the hell's happening Ooh. um so we'll see maybe that script to an editor jesus but wow. he is coming back for insidious the dark realm as a co-director um so hopefully he can revitalize that series you know who his co-director i is? don't i know i didn't even know it was being co-directed honestly but, um i but, find the concept of co-directing very strange because the idea especially in live action it's a common practice in animation Yes, because uh, and I it guess. makes more sense in animation because you know you're dealing with uh, in realistic, I mean, if somebody's not like artiste, but they're a good director, maybe you have a director who's more focused on the art side and a director more focused on the performance and the, I don't know, the script or something. Uh, I don't know. Yes. I just think that it is, wait, sorry, not Insidious 3. No, Insidious the Dark Realm. So it's Insidious, I think it's like five or six. Jeez. 
Yeah, no, there's. Wow, I blinked and there was seven more. Uh, uh, oh, it's three. Uh, creative director is Roman Winnell, Adam Robitel, and James Long. So there's technically three directors. Mm, we'll yeah. see. Uh, that makes me super nervous. Uh, <laughs> that instills no uh, confidence in me that there are technically three directors on this thing. So no. the concept of a director, I'm pretty sure. Okay, so me, I'm a side sidebar rant real quick. Concept of a director is that you have one unifying vision. I have worked in collaborative art making, performance creation processes many, many times. You can absolutely work collaboratively, but if you don't have one person who is your director and makes the final decisions on things, it can be a hot mess. Even when I've tried to be like, we don't need a director. If I'm not there to say we, okay, this is the, this is the final decision. People can sit and argue about things forever. And like, I guess it might be possible for you to separate it out and be like, okay, so this person is going to handle this part. This person's going to handle this part. And this person's going to handle this part. And I guess like, if you have three, I hope that this is what they're doing. They're going to have one that's handling one part one that's handling the other part and then one that's in the middle to merge those two together. Um, but otherwise that just sounds like a recipe for yeah. a problem, a big old problem. There's a reason that like shows, even though they have lots of different directors have a show runner, yeah. there's a different director on every episode, but there's uh, one person who has that unifying vision to make sure the whole thing roughly makes sense from beginning to end. Um, Anyways, that was my rant on directing, and uh, we can continue on. And then his only other project, he looks like he has a TV series that he's directing, all eight episodes of Archive 81. I don't know anything about it. Um, Cool. And then we have Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. So he is returning for the Aquaman sequel. (laughs) See how it goes. You are a hot mess, Red. Listen, it can either go, I don't know, it can go many different ways, right? It could be could. bad like the first one where it's just like kind of a not coherent mess. It, they could let him go mad and it's like awesome or they could let him go mad and it's 19, Wonder Woman 1984. And then you're like, what the hell? Well, the script is- Editing, my- guys, editing. What are you even doing? <laughs> but yes. I have a little bit more faith in um, James Wan having seen Malignant that when he goes ham, he yeah, knows I how guess. to keep it consistent and make it not um, yeah. mad. Like right? this. Like, it was silly, but it made sense from beginning to end. Like it was like, there's like a little like reality things that you're like, Man, I don't think that's how yeah, that works yeah. in reality. But, but like, at no. least the storyline was like, oh yeah. Okay, great. It's sure. Fantasy, tour, magic. Right. But it's yeah. like, Yes, it wasn't just a hot. We've seen him go ham. So at least now we're like, okay, this is him just like throwing it at the wall and saying, let's go. I think it's reasonable to expect that he won't fuck it up. (laughs) RuPaul just tied uh, the most Emmy wins for a person of color tonight. So there's that. Uh, If if RuPaul wins for best reality competition next week, he becomes the winningest person of color in Emmy history. Is, is Oprah the other one? No, it's like a, it was a cinematographer, actually. Oh. Uh, so. <laughs> so. I'm uncomfortable with the fact that RuPaul has more Emmys than Oprah. <laughs> very strange. Uh, <laughs> much as I, is, No, 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 no. It's primetime Emmys. Sorry. Um, 
Oprah was obviously daytime Emmy. So they, they not, they're not in the same category. Great. Also, awards shows are garbage and the Emmys especially so. Not as bad as the Golden Globes. Those ones are garbage. Those <laughs> ones are hot. And we don't have to deal with them next year because they pretty much got canceled at least for a year to restructure and rework out their trash. Structure. Okay, guys, whatever. We'll see. Yeah. Well, pretty much the TV, uh, ABC or whoever airs them, drop them and all of their rights. So they're just floating. And yeah. So all of that great racism that came out. Dying. Um, I mean, okay. Uh, we can have a conversation about yeah. that later. There's good things about award shows and there's not so good things. Award season is right around the corner. So we'll definitely be getting into awards talk. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely be covering the Oscars in shapes and forms, probably discussing the best picture nominees because um, we both watch them all every year at this point. Really so cool. last year was the easiest because they were like, <laughs> all there streaming. I only had to like go out and see one of them. It was. It was a good and easy year yep. last year because it was a pandemic streaming year. Especially because they just keep adding more to the category. <laughs> like, here's 10 films you need to see in the next three months. Go. Knock yourself out. <laughs> but one genre who won't be there, horror. Uh, <laughs> one genre that never finds its way. Hasn't a horror film won Best Picture before? I'm sure, like, what didn't, like... The Silence of the Lambs is the only horror film to win Best Picture. Well, there's a key. You just got to put Anthony Hopkins. (laughs) Win. Yeah. (laughs) It's been 20 years. uh, No, 30 years since uh, a horror film. And the only horror film. Though others have won, like, uh, I believe Linda Blair. Or was it... um, Oh, God, I'm blanking on the mom's name from The Exorcist. Mm. Uh, the actress that played the mom oh god ellen burstein um she at least was nominated i don't know if she won but uh, you know like they'll get nominations every now and then and then you get lupita nyong'o doing amazing transformative work and the academy pretends they didn't see it so (laughs) tony collette get nominated for no tony collette amazing work that was the thing that everybody thought she should have gotten nominated. Yeah, everybody was screaming for those two women to get nominated, and the Academy's like, nah, we're good. Thanks. <laughs> what happens? That's the problem with the Academy Awards. You get this group of people that all has the same group think. You yeah. just have the same type of movie snob that says superhero films don't count as film, animation is for kids, and uh, horror film is just schlock. So I have exactly these many things that I'm willing to even entertain as even even watch even them with their weirdness uh, up until Parasite were also like "Mm, foreign films will give them a consolation prize, but they can't win best picture own category. Okay. Separate but equal. Same thing. Animation and documentaries too. God forbid one of those get recognized as the best picture of the year. No, no, no. They can only win their category. Didn't they add it specifically because Beauty and the Beast got added to best picture and the people so were they- like, what? <laughs> Children's film? Best picture? Way better create a separate one. <laughs> just got so mad. Pixar can win every year. No, you know. It's, it's what? What's even yeah. the point at that point? Yeah. Anyways, we've gotten way off track on James Wan. <laughs> but James Wan, I'm sorry, man. You, you're great at horror. You're great at action. Two categories the Academy won't recognize, but we recognize you as fans. Yes, and any <laughs> artist worth their salt doesn't give a crap about the awards. They care about making the art and whether or not their audiences like it. And if you're an artist who doesn't care if your audience likes it or not, well, you're probably not a very good artist. 
<laughs> that was with snark for the evening. <laughs> there you go. And listen, we as people, we're on board. Not everyone's on board with your vision in this malignant because it is pretty batshit crazy in some aspects. Um, but we like we like the Just crazy. Don't get it, James. We get it. We get it. <laughs> we we understand what you were going for, and we appreciated it. We accept it. <laughs> we accept it. Perfect. Well, that was our review for Malignant and our discussion of the James Wan filmography. Hopefully you all enjoyed it. If you did enjoy it, please make sure that you are following us on whatever platform it is that you are listening to us on. Also, if you are listening on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, make sure to leave us a rating and a review. It greatly helps us in visibility when it comes to finding an audience for our little podcast here. So we will love you at least for the moment. Ren, where can the folks find you to follow you specifically? So first of all, you should check out our my website, audaciousTheater.com, because if you like horror, you're going to enjoy our Halloween show coming up, Lady Killers Masquerade Ooh. of Murder, um, especially if you like true crime. Anyways, uh, that's the first place you should look for me. I will be playing Elizabeth Bathory in that um, show. Uh, then uh, if you just want to harass me personally, uh, you can go to my Twitter, uh, Ren Manley, or my Instagram at Poo 13 <laughs> Perfect. And you can find me at ChiliBoyYT on Twitter, as well as ChiliBoy Productions on both Instagram and YouTube, where our podcast visual edition is hosted. It's also a great place to leave all your comments directly for the podcast. Also, make sure to follow us at CinemaSnarks on Twitter and Instagram. We just ran a poll and you all decided that Iron Man was your favorite superhero origin story film <laughs> I, think you, I think you all are right there was lots of great answers batman begins was very close uh but we just to vote on these fun polls we'll have some all the time make sure to be following us so thanks for listening to the snark with us this week and we can't wait to tell you how we feel yet again next time bye